losses, but Inter-Miami is still in the mix for a playoff spot. Hello everyone and welcome back to the latest edition of Miami Total Football Radio. I'm your host on this week's podcast and I'm with Pez butt kicker, aka David Beckham's cousin, Steve Brenner. Steve, how are you doing this week? Frank, I'm good. I'm good. A bit um, election lagged, but um, I'm <clears throat> ready for ready for the weekend. It should be... Just looking at the permutations right now, which I'm sure we're going to get into a bit, my brain is already melting. So um, uh, let's hope it's more straightforward than looking at, at different different ways that they can potentially get into the playoffs. Yes, yeah, uh, so Inter-Miami, is, like you said, is still in the mix for a playoff spot somehow. Obviously, they're going to need a lot of, a lot of outside help uh, and a win on Sunday in front of the home crowd to have a shot at doing that. We're going to jump into all of that as well as... Do a quick summary and recap and analysis of, of last week's game. We're going to give you the scenarios Inter-Miami needs in order to make the postseason. But before we get into all of that news and, and analysis, just want to remind everyone to give us a follow on all our social media accounts. At Miami Total Football on YouTube and Facebook. At MIA Total Football on Twitter. And at Miami underscore Total underscore Football on Instagram. As always, every like, every mention we get helps us to bring you this content on a weekly and regular basis. So give us a follow there. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and leave us a review if you'd be so kind. The more stars, the merrier. But Steve, let's get to it. All right, Steve. So we're getting straight into this uh, this week or obviously jumping into things really quickly. We're going to try to have a, a, a more condensed show this go around, especially since there's not that much of a turnaround between when the, the pod will drop and the game kicks off on Sunday afternoon. So, Steve, Inter Miami is under the the playoff line. They have three teams ahead of them that are also competing for playoff spots. Those are the Chicago Fire, the Montreal Impact, and Atlanta United. DC United is also in the mix, but they're underneath Inter Miami in the standings. There's a game on Sunday against. FC Cincinnati on the docket. FC Cincinnati is the worst team in the Eastern Conference. They're already eliminated from playoff contention. They have scored 11 goals on the season. As we've said, Inter-Miami needs a win. No other no other scenario on their end will do. And then they, they're going to need some outside help in the other matches, in some of the other matches. So, Steve, what's the outlook right now? What, do you, what are you thinking going into Sunday? Do you think they have a, a, a good shot? They obviously have a shot, but do they have a good shot? They have a shot. I wouldn't say it's a great shot. I mean, look, bottom line, they need to win. Hope that Montreal lose or tie versus DC United. And they need also a favour in the Chicago NYCFC game. Um, you know, the bottom line is they've got to win. If we go back three or four weeks, if they would have just got four extra points from any of the games that, you know, we've spoken about, even, you know, the, the defeat we're going to talk about um, last last time out against Toronto was, was disappointing. There's been so many games where if they just would have held on or, you know, just had a bit of the bit of luck the other way, then, then we wouldn't be in, in this position. And I think once you start having to rely on other teams to do your dirty work for you, I think it's I think it's dangerous. I also think that Cincinnati got nothing else to play for. Um, you know they they they're ready for the off season as soon as the game's over. So they're, they're going to be dangerous no, no matter what their their record suggests. You know they're 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 playing. They haven't got anything to play for. So they're probably going to just go there and have a, have a good go for playing for next season. Um, it's going to be difficult. But like like I said, when you're relying on other teams to do you a favour, it's it's difficult. And and obviously both Montreal and Chicago are also 
are in the mix as well. So, you know, it's not as if they're just going to have their their foot off the gas. So I think it's it's going to be very, very tough. But look, when you only win six out of 22 games, this is the kind of situation you find yourself in. And, and unfortunately, that record is just not good enough. Yeah, and so Atlanta also plays Columbus. Inter-Miami needs some help there because Atlanta has more points. Obviously, this will be the season regular season, as was announced last week, will be determined by points per game, but every team in the East will have played 23 games after this weekend, assuming there's no cancellation, so it'll end up being essentially by points, right? So Inter-Miami also needs a favor out of that Atlanta-Columbus game, needs Columbus to to at least get a draw while Inter-Miami beats Cincinnati. I think they stand a good chance at winning. I think Cincinnati, while it's true that an eliminated team is a dangerous team because they don't have anything to play for. They can risk more. They can they can play more attack-minded and take more chances because they don't have to deal with the repercussions of potentially giving up a goal or losing because there's nothing essentially for them to play for in terms of the standings. That makes them dangerous. However, they're the worst team in Major League Soccer. They've scored 11 goals in 22 games. They have attacking problems. Uh, obviously, on paper, this looks like... A winnable match for Inter Miami. They haven't been the the best at, at at playing that protagonist card and in holding up to the favorites when they when they've had matches like this. So can't take anything for granted. But I would expect Inter Miami to win. I'd expect them to win by multiple goals. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that out loud. Yes, I think they're gonna win by multiple goals. I don't know if that's gonna be enough though. I don't know if they're gonna get the the, the requisite help that they need from the other teams. So I, I don't think that they're going to be able to make the playoffs. I think it's a, I think it's tough. I think it's tough. And, and look, even if they do make the playoffs, and I think this is something we should touch on, I don't think that that should mask the season that they've had. If they can make the play, and I, I said this on Onside Radio last week when I was on as a guest, or maybe this week when I was on as a guest on Monday, if Inter Miami makes the playoffs, if they get in on the final match day of the regular season with help of other teams, and they get in by the skin of their teeth, that should not distract anyone or fool anyone into thinking that this was a good regular season for Inter Miami. Now, maybe they make a run in the playoffs and they have a couple of, of, of victories. You never know. They have enough talent, at least top-end talent, to get them through through games, one-off games. But that should not take away from the fact that there's plenty to address on this roster going forward because, as we've seen over the course of a very stop-start season, a difficult season, but every team's had a difficult year, it, it hasn't been good enough. I, I'm, I don't know what you what your thoughts are on that, and whether they make the playoffs, if how much that changes the the, the outlook on things. But for me, I, I think it's it's it, it's not going to be looked at as a good year, um, you know, unless they make a very deep run into the playoffs. And even then, again, there's still plenty to address on the roster. Yeah, no, look, I think if they make the playoffs, and I think that you could say say that that's you know that that's progress from from where they sort of started, even after the MLS is back is back tournament. But you know, just just generally. You know, if they don't, I was actually I was doing a piece for the UK papers today and speaking to Alexi Lalas, and he was saying that you know all this bravado when when Beckham launched the the, the franchise, and even when it's before the start of the season, Jorge Mas saying we're going to reach the playoffs, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. It was it was building up the club to sort of represent this this sort of global ownership of the superstar and and how lavish and sexy football and all this sort of stuff, and it, it just hasn't been that. At all, certainly not on on the pitch. I mean, you know, off the pitch, it's been a struggle because of the lack of fans and everything that's going on in the world right now. But the product on the pitch hasn't replicated what the owners said that they were going to do. 
Well, there will be fans in the stands on this one. About another 2,000, 2,500 tickets have been sold or, or were available uh, for season ticket holders and some fans to purchase. So there's going to be fans in the stands on Sunday. That'll help Inter-Miami. But for you, Steve, what, what is the key to this game for Inter-Miami? What do they need to do to assure that they get three points versus the worst team in the Eastern Conference and the worst team in MLS this season? It's, it's broken record time, but the, the, the big the big three, you know, um, Iguain, uh, Pizarro, and, you know, Matuidi and Morgan, to a certain extent, Morgan's been the most creative player, I, th- I think, has been their most potent threat. But Iguain and Pizarro in particular need to need to step up and, and show why they're, they're the, you know they're best they're the best paid players on the on the team and you know we, we keep saying the same time same thing every week they just unfortunately neither of them have really produced in a consistent basis we saw little flashes from Iguain in, in the last game he hit the bar then they went up the other end and scored Pizarro just went missing I I don't know he, he it looked brutal it was brutal conditions there wasn't maybe his night in terms of he's, he's not going to get stuck in and throw himself around. He's a touch player. Um, he's good on the ball, but he just goes missing in games. And look, whether that's an indictment of Diego Alonso for failing to get the best out of him and using him in, in the system, which works for him, or it's a, an, another failure of Pizarro himself for just not settling and just not being able to, to cut it in, in MLS. You know, sometimes people do find it very physical and, and you know, the, the demands on the players, although they haven't been traveling too much, it's, you know he, he's he's struggled so now would be the perfect time for 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 him to to really pull out and and pull out pull out a big big performance when the team and, and the franchise need it so badly so much Rodolfo Pizarro slander from Steve Brenner so much if, if... No, I like it. I like it. Like, no, he's got to do he's got to do something he didn't do anything the other night he didn't do anything and this is when they need they need him he gets all very well setting up you know nice and firm at the back but you need your you need your front guys to do something and he hasn't been doing it well, he scored two games ago, so you know that you know that, that's that's something. That's something. Um, look, I, I think Inter Miami is going to have the ball again. Cincinnati is is not a very good team, so Inter Miami is going to have the ball. They're going to be able to, unlike in other games where they're pressing a lot and having to, to look for the ball and try to win the ball. I think they're going to have the ball, and I think they just need to put the ball in the back of the net. And it's something we've talked about over and over and over again on this podcast like you said we sound like a broken record it's something i've touched on in in my coverage of the team this year that they have goal scoring problems and, and issues in the attack so i think they need uh, to put the ball in the back of the net in this one and find ways to do so there's no doesn't matter how it doesn't have to be pretty but they need to turn the possession that they're going to have into goals and if they can't then get it off of a set piece Get it off of a free kick. Get it off of a penalty kick. Do whatever it is you have to do to win this game. I think they'll be able to break down FC Cincinnati. While FC Cincinnati does do a, a decent job at times of, of getting sitting in a deep block and making things difficult for opponents, I think Inter-Miami has enough quality. And with the fans behind them and with what's on the line, I think Inter-Miami will be able to, to break down that, that deep block and find a goal or two and, and win this one by... By a comfortable margin, not not necessarily squeak it out. I, at least that's just my my expectation going into the game. Obviously, Inter Miami hasn't hasn't had very many games this year where they've won convincingly. So, Steve, anything that today we spoke to to Diego Alonso, we spoke to Lewis Morgan, and we spoke to Gonzalo Higuain about the game, about the season. 
about how they're approaching this match. Anything really stand out to you from what they said and how the team is gearing up for this one? Not, not really. I mean, these these Zoom conferences that we've been having are fine. It's what the club, you know, the club are, are doing their best, but it's you know it's difficult to to get you know a, a proper sort of flow going with with all the questions. But um, you know, it was the same old sort of you know we'll, we'll just we'll, it's a big game. The pressure's on. We, we can deal with it. You know, I said to to Iguain, you played in the World Cup final, so you've got to use this experience to you know to um you know. To, to try and benefit the rest of the team. And, you know, he will bring that, bring that big match experience. He's been there. He's done it. He's played in El Clasico. He's played in huge games all over Europe. Um, so, you know, they, they, there was a definite confidence there. I think they're, they're not shying away from it. They're not going to say, no, we haven't got any, any chance at all. And, you know, Diego Alonso is always pretty bullish, isn't he? He's, he never, you never really hear him being too negative. He's always trying to push the positive message across and that they, and they had to, they had to do that really. So, um, they didn't give too much away, other than you know they're gonna they're gonna keep fighting for it, which is they're always they're they are gonna say that, aren't they? So um um you know that's just that's just a, the, sometimes the soccer soccer speak uh, before these big games, it's it's in the balance, but they're not gonna swing one way or the other. They're just gonna try and keep it keep it on an even keel and hope everything will pay off. Yeah, I, I thought Iguain's comments were were the most interesting. I thought him saying that. He recognized that he hasn't had the best of seasons, that he's still in the process of adaptation, which is obvious and, and clear uh, because he's still fairly new to the group. And, you know, he's shown flashes of his quality, but it's still not, not clicking exactly how you'd like it. But like we've seen with Blaise Matuidi, who scored in, in the last match, it takes time to get used to a new style of play, a new league, a new way of doing things, new teammates. So I thought that was interesting. However... He, he, he like you. You said you said Pizarro. I say Iguain. Iguain needs to deliver this weekend. He is the highest paid player uh, on the squad. He is reportedly the highest paid player in MLS, or, or one of them. So he has to deliver and find a way to make it happen. If it doesn't happen from the run of play, which again, I, I, I part of his struggles, I don't put it necessarily just on him. I think it's a collective issue in this and the way that Inter Miami plays, and we've talked about that, so I won't go back into that. But I think he needs to find a way to put the team on his shoulders and help get this victory. Be it with a goal, be it with an assist, however, just may help make it happen because that's why they're paying him what they're paying him. That's why they signed him to be the face of the franchise. He needs to help them win games like he did against the Red Bulls in a game that was. Inter Miami looked like they were going to tie. He scores a great goal off of a free kick and gives them that win. That similar type. Now I'm not saying he's got to score off a free kick, but that similar type of of approach or or body of work where you just put the team on your shoulder and you find the way to win by any means necessary because that's what Inter Miami needs if they're going to make it out of this one. Steve, I already said what I think will happen. I kind of jumped the gun there on the prediction part of what we think will happen this weekend. So. Steve, what do you think? Do you think Inter-Miami will, one, win this game, and two, will it be enough to make the playoffs? I think they'll win for sure. You're right. I mean, I'm not going back on what I said in terms of, you know, since they have nothing to lose. But yeah, their record is terrible. You know, Miami should definitely attack from the start and get ahead. I just, I just, I just can't see... You know, it's not as if they need just one favour. They need favours from potentially two games, maybe even three. It depends. I mean... I just I can't see it. I can't see those cards. I, if if it happens, it'll be a miracle. I really really do think that, and it's it's sad to say, um, but it's just this. They've left too much to chance and too much 
too much relying on relying on other other teams. I just don't think it's going to happen. So yes, on the victory, they'll end the season on a positive note, but no playoffs for Inter Miami in twenty twenty. Is that that that's that's what you're saying, Steve? That's it. And then a few months of soul searching and sorting out exactly what what we're going to do coming into the next season. Now, now if they do make the playoffs, it has to be noted, Rodolfo Pizarro will probably not be available for a couple of playoff games or a few, you know, even if Inter Miami gets that far because he was called up by Mexico for their November friendlies. And as per FIFA rules and regulations, as as of today, he is required to go. So he would not be able to stay back and, and not go to be with Mexico. He would miss out on the first playoff game or two or even three or four if Inter Miami were to get that far. Okay, we're going to steer away from the coming game and look back at the last two games in the next segment after this. Steve, so we've talked about what lies ahead with the match against FC Cincinnati. Let's look back very quickly at the last two games. Inter Miami suffered a pair of 2-1 defeats, those very familiar scorelines that we've heard quite a few times this year. 2-1 defeats to Toronto FC and FC Dallas. Toronto FC was the more recent defeat, but both of them were played out kind of similarly. There were Inter Miami took the lead in the first half of each game and then they gave up two goals in the second half of each of those and ended up losing. One of them in each game came off of a penalty kick which John McCarthy did not dive on. He stayed in the middle for for both of those penalty kicks. Steve, what what did you think about those losses? What were your takeaways? Or, or what did we learn from those games? We learned that a lot of these games are very, very similar in that they, you know, they, they kind of start well and, and, and get their noses ahead. And then they just seem to either retreat into their shell, whether or not they're being sort of too defensive, soaking up all the pressure. And then they just got hit. I mean, the, the one again at Toronto was, you know, I thought they played pretty well first half. You know, nice, nice goal from Matuidi. And then just two really soft goals you know the Ben Sweat giving away that that penalty you could just sort of see it coming unfortunately and I mean you know the the margins it's fine margins isn't it because in the Toronto game Higuain great control hit the smack the bar from like 25 yards and then they literally went up the other end I can't remember if it was soon after or pretty soon after and then they they get the goal and I think that that was the that was the killer we said they needed a minimum of, of probably a minimum of three points in those two games. Anything more would have been brilliant. And, you know, one win out of any of those would have would have been enough, I would have thought, to just creep them over the line. But two two bad defeats. And just also when we thought defensively, they'd kind of turned a corner and they looked a bit sloppy again. They weren't really creating enough chances. And it was the, the same old, you know, the same old, same old story, really. So I was really disappointed. But I thought the Toronto game in particular was the most disappointing out of the two. I thought they played better in the first half of the Toronto match. I thought that was their best 45 out of the, what are we talking, 180 minutes that we're talking about here. Um, I think we learned, and I, I mean, I guess we've learned this already, but I think it's cement, it was even further cemented here. Ben Sweat at left back is, is not necessarily something that is going to work long term. He's had far too many issues defensively at the back. 
he's he's the go-to starter from this point forward. I don't think he's going to get benched against Cincinnati. I think it'll be it will be him at that left back spot. But going into next season, I wouldn't be surprised if Inter Miami looks to address that position some way somehow because he's as much as he gives you in the attack sometimes and can get forward and help generate some some good soccer he's just not been good enough defensively far too many mistakes the one against toronto fc the penalty kick that's called against them is a bit harsh richie larrier flopped there was contact but he flopped and sold sold that that penalty kick probably deserves an oscar for that but ben sweat as an experienced player as a veteran player needs to know better Laya was facing away from goal. No need to really challenge for that there and put yourself in a position to, even even with a dive or with a flop, get a penalty kick called against you. So I think that's that's one big takeaway from these two games. I think also Blaise Matuidi sh- showing that, again, he's raising his level. He's finding his, his top form with each passing game. He scores a goal uh, against Toronto FC, a well-placed finish. One of the only places he could have put that ball in, low and inside the, the left post, and he does so. You see the, the Matuidi chop celebration afterwards, and a, a good moment for him. I asked him after that game about how he feels with terms of chemistry and comfort with the teammates and his new teammates, and he said you know, he's, he's gotten better and better, and he's felt more and more comfortable as as time has gone on. So that's why I think, going back to Higuain, I think we're, we're going to see Higuain hit another level Maybe not this year, but maybe in 2020 when he's got more matches, more time with his teammates, and he's got more time to get used to everything that that happens around him. What you what you think of John McCarthy? I gotta ask you that because that was obviously a talking point after these these two games. Now I think he's been fairly solid over the course of his spell, but on the two penalty kicks, what what did you think about him staying in the middle in both of those? So it's a lottery, I guess, for a keeper, isn't it? You, you go one way or the other. I mean, he was a bit rooted to the spot, but, you know, we remember that that Toronto game, pretty much a makeshift back four, wasn't it? So many injuries and suspensions to deal with. It's not easy. He's only just come in. I, I think on the whole, he's 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 been he's been fine. I mean, you know, he, he likes coming out for crosses. He's, he's active. He's pretty vocal. Um, he obviously made that great save in, in the win against... Um, Orlando, you know, which seems like four million years ago, but it was only October twenty fourth. Um, so I'm not going to castigate the guy for for, for um, not dying for the penalty. I guess maybe we just caught in caught in two minds, maybe. But I mean, he's not the sole reason why they lost those games. I don't think for sure. No, I don't want to make it sound like he's the reason they lost. He's not the reason that they that they lost. I just thought it was interesting that he stayed rooted to his line on both of those penalty kicks. We got an explanation for the first one against FC Dallas. It's because Franco Jara, who took the penalty kick for Dallas, had played under Diego Alonso, I believe, and, and Diego Alonso and his staff knew that Jara had a penchant for, for shooting it down the middle at times. So maybe that was communicated to, to John McCarthy, and that's why he stayed rooted to his line. But I think when it happened in back-to-back games, it kind of made for uh, bad optics, and, and people were definitely critical of that. Look for me. I get it. You're either gonna the guy's gonna shoot left, right, or or place it down the middle. So if there's a 33% chance with whichever direction you decide to to go for or opt to stay in. But obviously, it doesn't look like you're making an effort when you stay in the middle. So I think that's why it was a little bit jarring for some people to see that. I would like to see him, you know, take a take a chance and, and make make a make a diving effort one way or the other. You don't get there, you don't get there. But if you dive and you make and you make the save, well, then 
you know, you've kept potentially your team in the game in that moment. Standing in the middle didn't work out for him in either scenario. So, yeah. We- okay, well, the, ne- the next time that you face a penalty in a, in a, in a big MLS game, I'm going to be interested to see which way you go. <laughs> I probably wouldn't stay in the middle. I probably wouldn't stay in the middle. Oh, I yeah. probably wouldn't stay in the middle. I'm telling you, I mean, that, look, how often do you see goalkeeper just stay in the middle? How often do you see that? I mean, it's it's just like it's like a game of poker, isn't it? You know. But how, it, what, but how it, often do you see that? How often do you see a goalkeeper just stand in the middle? If, if the goalkeepers make the save, they usually it's because they save it with their feet, or you don't really see them make that save down the middle far too often. Usually, goalkeepers. I mean, I'm, this is just my perception of what I've seen when I've well, all, the, all the games of, of, of football that I've watched. But that's why I'm asking you, what have you? I don't I don't remember many saves down the middle. I don't just don't recall no. that. I mean, then maybe he's trying to call his bluff. Maybe he just thought he was gonna he was gonna hit it down the middle, which means that he would have he would have saved it. Maybe some sort of John McCarthy sort of Jedi mind trick. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a, it's a, it was a difficult one. But I still think on the whole he's 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 yeah. They haven't missed Robles too much, I think, which I guess shows that he's been playing pretty well. For sure, for sure. And again, I don't want to make it sound like the losses are on him. I just thought it was a, a talking point from these two two matches. I will add that. There was a report that came out this week uh, that said Sergio Romero, the Inter-Miami, was trying to get Sergio Romero before the, the MLS transfer window closed, which would seem, if, if it's true, obviously it's not hasn't been confirmed, but if that rumor is true, then it seems like neither John McCarthy or Luis Robles would be the long-term, you know, they're not the long-term solution at goalkeeper. I do think John McCarthy's made a case to where it could be trouble for Luis Robles going forward in terms of his standing with the team because I think McCarthy has shown he, he can do uh, as good of a job at least in the in the few games that we've seen him uh, Steve what, what were the positives that you take away from from these games that's, that's the last one I'll ask you about these two matches what were the recurring positives that you you'll take away from these two matches I, I agree with you that the makeshift backline against Toronto Thought they all held up fairly well. There was a mistake by Alvis Powell on one goal where he gets out-muscled and overpowered for, for the position of the ball, and that, that leads to the equalizer from Ayo Akinola. But I thought, besides that, Alvis Powell held up well. AJ De La Garza held up well. Christian McCoon was fairly solid, probably the best out of the three. Um, but that, that was just in the Toronto game. I, I think defensively there were it was an improvement, but there's those individual mistakes and those errors still exist. That's 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 my take, my other takeaway from this one. But what about you, Steve? Yeah, and, and that's it, and that's that's what's what's costing them because they showed in in parts in both games, especially also in the first half in Toronto, um, that you know they can they have a good cohesive unit. You know they they can they can sort of you know dominate play and 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 move forward and and attack effectively while also keeping it pretty tight at the back and they did that they did that in the, pretty much in the in the first half in, in Tor- against Toronto I mean there were a very difficult conditions it looked super windy and wet and etc but they they at the end of that first half it was like yeah this this looks good they look compact and great here and then they just shoot themselves in the foot with just lack lack of concentration or, or whatever it was. And let the game back in, and from half time to have been so comfortable to then at full time to have lost the game was just, I think, was a real difficult one to take. And it's probably unfortunately the result which is going to cost them in the end, certainly for this season. But let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that if they can just replicate what they did in the first half and just keep it keep it going, you know, it's then anything is it's possible. So that's the thing that the whole season there's been signs that they they've got kind of what it takes to compete but then 
they let it sort of slip, and that that's the problem which they need to address. Yeah, I'll, I'll add also this: Gonzalo Wayne's passing was very good in these last two games, particularly against the, the against Toronto FC. Just he wasn't able to find much of the game in the final third. He wasn't able to, to to get the ball in dangerous opportunities far too often. But he was able to generate some decent chances or some half chances for other teammates with a nice range of passes, including that nice ball over the top to a, a, a streaking Lewis Morgan on the one play in the first half of that match against Toronto FC. We're going to take another quick break, and then we'll come back to wrap things up with our Q&A session and our final thoughts. Okay, Steve, it's Q&A time. We've got a few this week, but we want to try to run through them. We don't want to prolong the show any uh, or too much. So, Steve, we'll start right. We'll get right into it. It's the first one from at Dale Rosado underscore. What is your favorite moment of the inaugural season for both Franco Panizo and Steve Brenner? All right, Steve, I'll let you start there. What was your favorite moment of the season so far? There's still one game left to play. Something crazy could happen that trumps anything that happened before, but... What's your uh, what's your favorite moment of the season so far? I mean, it's, it's been such a weird season, you know, with the, the the lack of fans and everything else that's gone on. But I think when when they got the winner against Orlando a few weeks ago, and and you know Diego was Diego Alonso was running down the touchline, and you know that that's what it's all about, isn't it? You know, to have those those moments and the crowd, what crowd room were going crazy, and you know I love seeing managers you know running up and down touchlines, going berserk and losing his mind. Um, you know that that's that's why we love it. So uh, that was that was that was a, a good moment and brought it back to all of us that were lucky enough to be in the stadium just why we you know why we love football or soccer so much for those for those moments you know i'm gonna i'm gonna cheat here i'm gonna give two one is professional just talking about from the course of the season and then one will be more personal but for me the personal one is just for me on my end just being able to move back down home after eight years in the northeast and starting to cover an mls team in in the city that I've grown up in and been raised in, and um, just being able to do that 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 was cool. Those first few practices, and I got to meet you and and uh, you know to everybody else on the beat. So that was cool from a professional standpoint to just kind of get things started going for what was a, what has been a, a wild wild ride of a year. But if we're talking about just the team, I think the first game away to LAFC, I think that was the the, the very a very cool moment. Um, because it was the beginning of Inter Miami officially, and there was so much buzz and excitement at that moment. They hadn't played a game yet. There was talk about them being uh, potentially competing for MLS Cup, and the fans were there, and they jumped up and down with with the with the players the, the day before the game, which went viral on social media. I think that if you know if we're just touching on one thing specifically, I'd say that's the highlight. Uh, my uh, my favorite part of the season just seeing that passion that exists for the team but I would just say that overall weekend if I'm talking a little bit bigger picture the overall weekend and us being at the match and covering the match you were there I was there Michelle Kaufman Kobe Price we were there Kobe covered the game in person they lost but that was the that was the highest point in terms of buzz and the fan excitement that there was after that they took a couple of losses then they had the obviously cancellation of the season and then it's been up and down since there so that that's it for me so uh, the second question comes from Andres, our, our, our longtime listener at Colo Blanco 97. Hey guys, as we reach decision day, whether it's the end or not, who should stay in the squad for next season and who should move on in your opinion? 
Is there a base to build on or a rebuild needed for 2021? Steve, I'll let you begin there. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure of the breakdown, but so many of the players, there has been a lot of movement, isn't there? But, you know, how many of them were actually signed under under Diego Alonso's watch? Uh, it's probably, isn't it about half and half, do you think? So I think they're going to have to assess everything and, and, and certainly look. And you would have thought that, you know, sixty. He was only brought in sixty-two days before the start of that of that that game. So a lot of the building blocks were already in place. Um, so I think he's going to look to 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 move out quite a few players. I think the core of the team, the Betweeny, you know, Iguain, Gonzalez, Perez, um, Perez will you know will will sort of stay, and then the rest of it they will they'll just have to chop and change. But I think there's definitely going to be a lot a lot of changes because they're going to have to be because in the end of the day it just hasn't been good enough. I think there will be. Changes. I think there will be significant changes. I don't know if I'm going to say a whole lot because at the end of the day, it's this is MLS. There's a salary cap to work under or a salary budget, and you can't just get rid of half a team in one offseason and, and try to replace it. You gotta you have to be smart about the moves you make. So I think we'll see some movement for sure. I think some positions will be addressed. You'll see some players come and go via trades or via free agency or via the expansion draft. The actual draft. I think you. I think we'll see some movement to try to bolster and, and improve this squad because, as we said, even if they make the playoffs, this roster needs plenty of tweaking and addressing. It's not. It's just not good enough over over the long haul. I wouldn't be surprised if they go after uh, go after a right back as well as a as a left back because I think they see Nicolas Figal as a, as a center back long term and that's where they would like to play him. So we'll see. Definitely going to be some some. Some positions that they try to address, I think there will be plenty of plenty of chatter during the off season. But again, not not all, not all, not wholesale changes. Um, I mean, but you, you know, they've been playing effectively really only two two DPs because Pellegrini hasn't, you know, has he really sort of justified his sort of signing as a, as a as a DP? Well, he's, a, he's a young DP, so it's like the cat the category is a little bit different. The way you categorize sure. him is a little bit different. Um, you know, he but you would have expected he, right, more. Right, he you still hasn't. Expect- de- right, he hasn't delivered. But again, he's 19. You're 19 year old. Now he's a 20 year old player living away from home during the middle of a pandemic. It's rough for him off the field. He he's admitted as much. I think they'll give him another chance. Obviously, yeah. he has to perform because this year, this season he just he just didn't have it. And you know, but he's he got talent. He's definitely got talent for sure. It's I don't know. Yeah. He looks he looks a little like honestly. We're gonna get a little sidetracked here, but I think he looks a little physically overmatched in terms of. You know, not only like I'm talking about like his, you know, being able to hold defenders off physically, but just his running and how much, how much, he, how much energy he has and how much he can put into it. He looks kind of winded and heavy legged a lot of times, uh, from my vantage point. So I know he's again, he's young, so he's gonna grow into it and and he's gonna develop physically as as you know young men do. But yeah, it's, there's plenty for to be addressed and for him to work on um, um there. So the the next question comes from Gerald. It's at Dr. Gotham. Is Diego Alonso still a good fit for this club? Nashville made the playoffs. Nashville, exclamation point. Having the talent, we don't play well at all. Steve? It's a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I just, I just think he was given a, a bit of a rough deal and just sort of coming in at the last minute. They, they tried to get Gallardo, didn't they? Tried to get Vieira. That didn't happen. They brought Diego in. He only had like six weeks to work with the team. Then everything else, I just... I don't think he's been given a. He hasn't had a completely full sort of preseason behind him. I guess um, 
the jury's out for sure. I, th- I think he's done some good things. The team haven't performed. I, I, I'm not sure if he's been able to get the best out of the players. And that that's that's something which, you know, is is a little bit worrying. We've talked about Bizarro and, and if Higuain's only scored one in eight and, you know, Matuidi has sort of flitted in and out. Is he, is he getting the best out, out, out of this group? Maybe he is. Maybe that's just his limited because of the sort of maybe lack of extra quality around those core guys. So I think he deserves another. I think he deserves a full preseason and a, and a proper, hopefully, full season behind him. And then we'll see. But, you know, if the next season starts and they're, and they're struggling early doors, then, you know, it, it could it could be difficult. But I think for now, they're just, you know, they're trying to build something. And I think just getting rid and starting again, I just think they'll be back in the, in the same position. So uh, I think he deserves another crack for sure. I'm going to do a bit of a cop-out answer here. I'm going to say it's to be determined because obviously – there have been low moments for him this season. There's been rooms for growth, areas for improvement, including, which we didn't talk about and we probably should have, Steve, is his tendency or his, his habit of making late substitutions more often than not and reactive substitutions, something I've asked him about repeatedly. I asked him about that in, in the game uh, against Toronto FC. He makes, he makes his first subs and he makes four of them in the 85th minute after Inter Miami fell behind. He didn't make any changes prior to that. Now, that might speak to how much faith he has in the bench overall, um, but it also speaks to him and, and how he views the game and maybe doesn't anticipate certain things happening and, and is more reactive. So, and something I've, I've told him and I've been critical of, I think that's something he needs to address. But we're talking overall now. I think... He like the team. He's young, right? He's a young head coach. He's had success in his in his career in his early days as, as a head coach, but he's still growing, just like so many players on this team are still growing. So, is he a good fit? We'll find out in twenty twenty one. We'll get a definitive answer in twenty twenty one because there. All right, you assume that there's going to be less. You assume it's going to be more of a regular season, more of a normal regular season, right? You, you expect that. There won't be a pandemic that stops the season half halfway through. You anticipate that he'll be able to help or identify and bring in players at positions that he thinks are of need. So next season will definitely tell us if he's if he's a good fit or not. There's definitely been room for criticism for him this year. He's fallen short in some areas. Like you said, he might not be getting the best out of the team. And he might be a little too stubborn in terms of how he wants to play and how he wants this team to play especially this year you know at some point I think it was clear that the team wasn't working and and maybe he could have changed his approach rather than trying to stick to just what he knows and what what's worked for him and his his formula for success but that's a topic for you know when we do our post-mortem at some point whether it be next week or or a few weeks after um the, the final question comes from J.R. Read 11 at JRRC171, longtime listener, frequent asker. And he, he got this question in before we wrapped up the show, which is good because in other situations he's, he's asked and the show's it's happened right after we've wrapped up the show. So I'm glad he got it in. He said, hey, gents, what do you predict will be the first line of business during the offseason with the new young DP rule? How does that affect the roster? Will this allow Inter Miami to buy another DP and turn Pellegrini into a young DP? Thanks. So Pellegrini is already a young DP. By classification. Now, this, I think the young DP rule, and I'll start here, Steve, I think that'll help them maybe 
get someone like Andres Reyes back on a permanent deal because Andres Reyes is on a loan and the loan expires at the end of the season. I think this new roster rule to help sign three young players at a, at a higher level that's been reported and talked about, I think that'll help them. It will bring talent, but on the younger side. And maybe that will also allow them to free up one more designated player spot that they can use to address another position, you know, be it the left winger spot or... You know, a, a goalkeeper. I mean, they they have that flexibility to use the DP. Not DPs don't normally get used on goalkeepers, but if it remind me wants to think about it, I don't think they're going to use it on center back. They've got two, two to three very solid center backs um, there. I mean, I guess they could go there with a fullback, but that's not very common in, in MLS. Maybe another central midfielder, possibly. But I think I think that's that's in terms of the DP and answering. JR reads question. I think that's that's a possibility. Now, now, where's, what's the first line of business? The first line of business for Inter Miami. I think they're going to need to go find a left winger or a left attacker because they just haven't gotten enough out of that side. We've talked about that at length here. That the play is very unbalanced for Inter Miami. It's all down the right side, essentially, because they haven't been able to get enough down the left. So I think that's priority number one. Find whether it's a DP or just someone that can come in and help you on that left side and give you more. Maybe that's what they end up using that that third full DP slot on. Yeah, they they need more creativity for sure. I think they can he's he can set up in a way that that can keep keep goals out for a little bit and and be solid, but they just they just don't have the creativity. Uh, and I think if someone's feeding into Wiguain, we've seen he's dropping back and he's great. He's clearly the best player on on the pitch. You know, that that's 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 not not in any any doubt, but we just need someone to sit, to be creative to creative alongside him or just in in midfield. And just just give him give him the chances because if you put the ball in front of him, he's probably going to score, isn't he? But they haven't been able to get the, get the ball to him in those areas, so that's definitely something they need to look at for sure. Okay, well that's going to wrap up this show for this week. Again, big game on Sunday. It's a make or break game. I mean, again, Miami not only has to win, they have to have outside help. Steve, final thoughts before we wrap up this week's pod. I don't want people to think I'm being negative. I really do want them. We all do. We want them, you know, for covering the team. We want the team to do well 100%. And, you know, I hope the results go for them. I just think that everything else that's gone before them has just left them just with a little bit little bit too much to do, unfortunately. But fingers crossed they, they can pull it out and then hopefully we can get a few favours, you know, either, you know, in, in the other places. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. It, look, it's going to be exciting and dramatic whatever way you look at it. And that, that's always good. I'm going to go uh, with, well, I, at first, I'm going to disagree with you that we like we all want them to do well. That's not necessarily true. I, I listen. I, I, I have my family are season ticket holders, um, and you know, it's, I'm, I'm happy when they're happy. But I like to me, it's I'm just covering this team, and, and I don't necessarily have a, a way if that if I want to see them win or lose. The story is good from a journalistic standpoint. And that's that's great. Um, but, but it's better if they're doing. It's better if they're doing. If they're doing well, it's it, it's better. I, I, I love bad news oh, as much as good news. Oh, but, for sure, for yeah. sure. If they do better, then there's more interest in the team, and uh, the the fans are are, are are more excited. Of course, absolutely, it's better in terms of the team that the team does better. But from from our end, I mean, I don't necessarily have a preference whether they win or lose going into each each match. Now, if my family's happy, that's cool, good, you know. But again, I don't go, I don't go into games and say I want them to win. Or I want them to to lose. Like I, I, you know, I'm, I'm indifferent with regards to the results. I'm just, I just want to cover the game and see how the story unfolds, how the telenovela keeps going. Um, because 
it's you know sports kind of can end up being like that. They're kind of like a telenovela that just never ends. It, the storyline always continues and furthers and furthers, and there's drama and un, and you know surprises and great moments and bad moments. So, um, but anyway, just just my final thought is, you know, the Rodolfo Pizarro. We talked about it now, and we're gonna get ahead of ourselves here. But the Rodolfo Pizarro call up from Mexico that we mentioned earlier. If Inter Miami makes the playoffs. They're going to be missing a key player for them. I know, Steve, you're not super high on on him uh, and his consistency because, you, like you said, he drifts in and out of games. It's, it would be a loss for Inter Miami. However, don't be upset at Mexico. Don't be upset at Tata Martino. Don't be upset at Rodolfo Pizarro. Be upset at MLS, who does this every single year. If you're an Inter Miami fan and you're new to the league, this is something that MLS does regularly. They play through international windows, be it in the regular season, or in the playoffs, this is not just a one-off because of the pandemic. MLS does this every year, and every year teams end up missing players, key players during international breaks because MLS just decides to heck with it. We're playing through it. So, Steve, I, I, we we got into it a little bit off off uh, off cameras or off the mics when we weren't recording about that. To me, this is an issue that MLS has long had. Something they need to address. I know you said that it, you know it'd be a little bit tough for for Inter Miami to lose to Pizarro to Mexico, but again, Tata Martino and Mexico have to worry about their jobs and their duties, which are qualifying, preparing, and then qualifying for the World Cup. So this is on MLS 100. percent I don't know if you want to add anything there because you know I kind of threw that on you. Yeah, no, I mean you know we, we were on the call with, with the US coach earlier in the, in the week, and the MLS players on on going to be involved in the forthcoming, you know, uh, national team games. Um, it'd be interesting to know what Pizarro's taken it. Would he want to stay here? Would he want to go and p- play for Mexico? I mean, it's only two games and, and the, you know, we are, they're only right at the start, at the beginning of the, of the qualification process. You'd think well, These that, are friendlies. You know, these, these are friendlies. They're not even qualifiers. They're just friendlies, but they have to prepare yeah, for qualifiers. They're building up. They're building right, up right, to, right. to that process. Um, you'd think that if they're in the playoffs and, and Tata Martino, I'm sure, and Diego Alonso will have a, a conversation, and it's not a problem for for the US US national team because of US soccer's close relationship with MLS. So it's we'd need about five podcasts, I think, to talk to <laughs> about exactly you know the ins and outs of, of MLS. But um, you'd think potentially they could come to some kind of agreement if they do get into the playoffs. But would and the player would have his say, of course, of course he would. So that a lot may hinge on that. You know, I'm sure you know the communication line, the lines of communication are open, just as Dagalon said last time. Uh, let, let's let's cross that bridge when we come to it. It's just I think it's just an unfair situation to put a player in because he's got responsibility and a fan base that is home with his home country and his home nation and his national team as well. He has fans and and obligations that he has with his club team. I think it's very unfair for MLS to put players in this situation repeatedly because it's just it's just a hard spot to be in, right? Do you, do you help your team that's in the playoffs or do you go try to help your country? And, and, and prepare for what's to come in World Cup qualifying. And, you know, you got to say no to one of them, right? And if you say no to your to your national team or you try to say, hey, I want to, you know, let me stay here, that's not going to come off well with your national team fan base. And if you go and you don't stay, then, you know, your, the fans maybe with your club team aren't going to really appreciate that. It, it's just a tough spot to put players in. That's something the MLS needs to figure out because you can't keep doing this to, to, to players and having these conversations. And, and, and also, listen, U.S. soccer is another case. You just touched on that. But you just just can't – you're not – you can't expect national teams to say, okay, we're going to put your schedule and your playoffs and your, your interest 
first over ours because those teams have their own responsibilities and other things to think about and worry about themselves and other you know those those coaches have to do their jobs they have their obligations it's it, it's just something MLS really needs to figure out once and for all if Miami gets to the playoffs I don't think you're gonna see Rodolfo Pizarro I think um players can't even turn down calls players can't, players aren't, aren't even allowed to turn down calls by by rule and regulation by FIFA if a player turn a player is not cannot say no to the national team if they're called up now do do teams eventually, like Carlos Vela, for example, and, and I'm going on a tangent here, but Carlos Vela has come to say he doesn't want to play for Mexico, so Mexico has stopped calling him up. But if Mexico forced the issue and called him up, he would have to go, otherwise he would be he could get sanctioned by, by FIFA. But anyway, that, that's it for this week's pod. We'll both be there on Sunday to see Inter-Miami's regular season finale. We'll see if that is the final game they play in 2020. There is a possibility that it is not, but there are higher odds that it might be but nothing's impossible we'll see what happens as always listeners thank you for listening please don't forget to follow us on our social media channels as i mentioned before leave us a review five stars is preferable and we'll talk to you all next week